0: For the past one and a half month, a group of us has been praying together every day from 8pm to 8.40pm. During this time, we had Muslim, Catholic, and hardcore unbelievers join us. These were the people who had never come to prayer meeting in church before. We invited them and they came. After one prayer meeting, the Muslim lady told me, it was so beautiful, you guys were praying to God. And for the Catholic, he had a very unpleasant experience with Christian before. He didn't want to join. My friend invited him. Um, He said, "Okay, I will come, but I will just listen. I will not pray. After everyone prayed, we just welcomed him. He said, wait a minute. It's my time to pray now, right? I want to pray too. I'm like, praise the Lord. Yes, please pray. And for the unbeliever, her mic was not even working. And she can listen to our prayer to Jesus for 40 minutes. And the second day she came, the third day she came again. There's still so many creative ways we can serve the Lord and His people during this time, even by staying home. And it doesn't matter how the world changes, our God is still the same. And nothing can stop the spreading of the gospel and the salvation will not stop. Praise the Lord.
1: Well, good evening again and welcome again to Moody Church Sunday night service. It's so good to, to worship and be with you tonight. And thank you, Crystal, for sharing uh, just some of what you've seen God doing recently and, and the hope that we have even in the midst of this difficult season. And isn't it great just to hear um, from Crystal how God's word is still going forth and God is still working in our world, even in the midst of all that's going on. Well tonight we are continuing in our series hope is here and this is the, the second week and last week we looked kind of at this idea of, of Jesus being our only hope as we looked at a story from the gospel and tonight we're going to transition as we kind of dig deeper into this idea of what it means of followers of Jesus Christ to have hope and what, what significance that hope has especially how that hope helps us during times that are difficult suffering, hardship, trials. What difference does the hope that we have in Jesus make during those times? You know, when Jesus was here on the earth, lots, if not most of the teaching he did was in parables, was in parables. And there's a a parable that's always, I think, drawn me in, especially, and that's the parable of Jesus and the, the sower. The sower and the seeds in the soil. And the sower goes out and casts seed all around on the path, on the rocky ground and the thorns, and then on the good soil. Um, and then afterwards, Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. And this, this part where he talks about what it means about this, this um The seed being thrown amongst the rocky ground has always just gripped me. And it says this in the gospel of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explaining to his disciples, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So they've heard the good news of what Jesus can do for it. They immediately say, yes, I want that. And there is an excitement. There's a joy about it. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, the word immediately, again, that word immediately, immediately he falls away. See, this verse to me is so convicting because it's such a reminder for us that, you know, it's easy to follow Jesus, isn't it? When it leads to nothing but blessing and prosperity, It's easy to follow Jesus when times are good. And this is what this parable is talking about. Like that's not hard for most of us to do. But this parable is a reminder for us of what happens when life isn't good. Now, I don't want you to, to just be pessimistic about what it means to follow Jesus. There is a lot of good and there are a lot of good times in following Jesus. But if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, or even if you're exploring Christianity and wondering what they believe about this. Our lives have lots of difficulties and troubles as well. We have issues that we face. We lose jobs. We have family members who die. We get sick ourselves. There's still a lot of pain and suffering in the midst of this. So how do we have hope in the midst of pain? How does our hope endure through trials and difficulties so that we're not like this person here in the rocky soil who immediately, when it comes up, we just fall away. Well, tonight we're going to look at one of my favorite passages, as Justin talked about. This is an amazing chapter. Obviously, all of God's word is amazing, but this is one of my favorite chapters in God's word in the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter five. And we're going to start right at the very beginning tonight at verse one. It says this, therefore... Since we have been justified by faith. Now that is one phrase that basically summarizes the first four chapters of the entire book of Romans talking about how we have been declared righteous. We've been made clean before God, not of our own efforts, but because of our faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. So since we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So as a result of being saved, we have peace with God, this wholeness, this sense of correct relationship and right standing before God. We have access into faith, not by our own efforts, but by the grace undeserved to us, which God has given. And then he closes verse two with this phrase, and we rejoice. In the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Tonight, as we look at Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at three ways that we can have enduring hope. And the first way to have enduring hope is simply to place your hope in God. To place your hope in God. He says here that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In my Bible, there's a little number there. And if you look down at the bottom, it says that this word rejoice could also be translated, which perhaps in your Bible, it is this. We could boast or we could take confidence in the glory of God. Throughout the New Testament, boasting is something that is looked down upon when we boast on ourselves. But in passages where we talk about boasting in the glory of God, it actually is the culmination of praise. That we are boasting, not in ourselves, but in the glory of God. And so we can boast in this hope that we have in the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? If this is supposed to be what our boast is in, if this is supposed to be what our hope is in, what does this mean? Well, one pastor defines God's glory this way. He said, The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. I love that the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. And throughout the New Testament, it talks a lot about how glorious God is. Just a few chapters later here in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 11, it says that for from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory forever. That this idea of God being glorious is not a temporary thing, but an eternal characteristic of who God is. The glory of God is powerful. In Colossians chapter 1, they're encouraged to be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. Again, in Romans chapter 9, this time, it talks about how we have received the riches of God's glory. The riches. And I think... Most importantly for us when we think about the glory of God is what the author of Hebrews says about it. In Hebrews chapter one, it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And so the glory of God is his perfection, his beauty, his greatness that we get a glimpse of here as we see who he truly is. And what Paul is saying is this is the object of our faith. This is what we are to put our hope in is indeed the glory of God. Him saying this here in chapter five is quite amazing when you think about where he's been in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter one, he talked about how humanity and our sin, we've scorned the glory of God. We've pushed it away from us. In Romans chapter three, verse 23, it says that all of us, every one of us, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now in chapter five, he's saying that we hope in the glory of God. For enduring hope to take place in our lives, we need to be hoping in the right thing. And so Paul encourages us not to place our hopes on ourselves, not to place our hopes on the things of this world, but to place our hopes fully and completely on one thing, and that is on God. See, are, are our hopes today really on God's glory or are they on other things? See, oftentimes when we put our hope in something, we're not actually putting our hope in God's glory, but we actually put our hope oftentimes in our own glory. That we want ourselves to look great and famous in this world. We're hoping for great things for us. There's lots of examples that we could think of probably each of us in our own lives about, someone or what it looks like even for ourselves to seek our own glory but given that we're in quarantine and like me you've probably watched a lot more netflix the last six weeks than you have before i was reminded of a show that came out oh just over a month ago um that that has kind of captured all over really the world the most watched show on netflix the last six weeks and it's the show Tiger King. Now I am not endorsing the show for any moral version of what you should live your life like. But if you have seen or really even heard about the show, you know, it centers around this man here. His name is he goes by Joe Exotic and I love the tagline murder mayhem and madness and it is a crazy documentary of everything that happens. But if I was going to summarize the idea of the show, it's basically one man Joe whose life is consumed with him being famous. That's it. He wants to be famous no matter what it takes, which is why he hires film crews to follow his every step, even though basically no one is watching, which is why he goes and pretends to be a country music star, lip syncing over other people doing music videos of him. It doesn't matter. Whatever he can do to make himself famous, he was willing to do it. And now not to ruin the story, that, that he is famous, he's locked away in prison and doesn't get to enjoy any of the fame that he now has. See, it's easy to look at an often even ridiculous kind of extreme, if you would, example like that. But oftentimes in our hearts, we are driven not for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. And too often when we lose hope, when we are discouraged when we're disheartened when we're dismayed it's not because god has lost glory it's because the dreams for our own glory have been shattered and if your hope is placed on the glory of yourself it's not a matter of if but when that hope will fall apart that hope will not last through difficult times see The only one deserving of our glory isn't ourselves, but it's God. And the Bible is filled with passages that reinforce this. Isaiah 42, verse 8 says this I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And so the challenge for us in the midst of this time, if we want hope to last, is first to place our hope in God to place our hope in the sure object of God's glory, not of our own. So what are you putting your hope in today? Think this isn't just a decision we make when we place our faith in Jesus whenever that happens, but it's something that we need to do regularly to place our hopes not on ourselves, but on God As even as I was preparing this this past week. I found myself frustrated Disappointed, you can say, it some different circumstances. And then, as that next morning I opened and read this passage again, I realized for me this week, some of the source of my discouragement and probably some of my sinful behavior as a response to that was because I was hoping and placing my hope on myself, my own glory. And I had to stop and think back well, no, it's not about me, it's all about God's glory. And when my hope is in his glory, I don't have to be overwhelmed by the causes and concerns the, the suffering that would come my way because God's glory will take place and nothing that we could do could stop God's glory. So this first way to have enduring hope is simply to hope in the right thing, to not hope on ourselves, but to place our hope in God. The passage continues in verse three, it says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Notice again, that's the same word rejoice as just happened in verse two. So you could say we, we boast, we take confidence, we exult in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. See, the second way to have enduring faith is to know how hope grows, to know how hope grows and develops in our lives. See, last week we talked, and it's a good reminder for us to to remind ourselves the fact that hope isn't this idea of wishful thinking, of just well, I hope it turns out this way, but hope is something much more real, and it's concrete and based on the promises of God. And lest we think here at the end of verse two, when Paul talks about hoping in the glory of God that Paul is living in some fantasy world with no issues and no problems. He kills that for us real quick here in verse three, this gets real real quick for us. He's not saying in this passage that we should go out and look for pain that we should try and inflict suffering on ourselves. That's not what Paul is saying. Don't go out and try and hurt yourself and say, this is that I can be a more hopeful person. But what he is saying is in the midst of suffering, it doesn't decrease your hope, but actually suffering increases your hope. Suffering does not take away from the hope that we have in God, but suffering in this life actually increases the hope that we have in God. It's suffering is the means by which God grows hope in our lives. He lays this out kind of walking step by step through first, We have suffering suffering something that I mean to some extent all of us are going through right now and for some of us it comes in different phases of life right there's been times for all of us that we have gone through periods of suffering and it's been said before um, that if you're not in a period of suffering now you're either coming out of one or you're headed towards one and so when we think of this idea of suffering it's a an idea for all of us. Suffering here isn't just a physical idea. There's lots of different ways that one could undergo suffering or pain or hardship. But in the midst of our suffering and how we respond to it, it makes a huge difference because in the midst of our suffering, it produces the next thing, which is endurance. This ability to last, to endure. And suffering actually shows the genuineness of our faith. So suffering produces endurance, this ability to keep going even when things get difficult. And from endurance, it next produces character. Character, this idea of moral transformation within our lives. And as we see, as we see in the midst of hardship that actually our lives are becoming more like Jesus, it leads us then to hope. So suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering does not inhibit hope. Suffering is actually the means to a greater hope in our lives. Lots of commentators, when they talk about this passage, and they talk about what hope looks like, they they often use this idea of hope being like a muscle. And the muscle, if you don't use it, it's just going to shrink. Now, like probably many of you, when I think about shrinking muscles, I think back to a time for me, it was when I was in middle school and I crashed my bike and I broke my arm. It was in a cast for several months and either you've probably broken a bone yourself or you've been around people who have and have had to put it in a cast for weeks, if not months to a time. And you can try as much as you want to stay active, to exercise, to use the muscles. But just by nature of it, when, when your muscles aren't allowed to move, when your, your joints are constricted, you're not using it how you should. And I still remember when they went and cut that cast off, I held my two arms up next to each other and I didn't actually measure it, but my right arm looked about half the size of my left arm. And I've seen pictures of this even worse if you break your leg and you have your whole leg in a cast. Your leg literally, well, it looks like it shrivels away. It's this thing called mus- muscular atrophy where it shrinks. Why? Because it hasn't gotten used. Well, when we aren't going through any difficult times, we don't have to use, if you were, the hope muscles of our spiritual life, right? When life is good, When we have no complaints, when we wouldn't change a thing, we're not really being pushed to hope for something greater than what we see in the here and the now. But when suffering and when pain and hardship comes into our lives, it's helping us exercise that muscle. It's increasing it and growing it so that we can actually grow into a greater hope in Jesus Christ. See, we have, I think, in times of hardship and pain, we often ask questions and those are good things to do. It's good to to ask hard questions. And one of the questions that I know has been asked a lot is where is God in the midst of a pandemic? Like where is God? What is God doing? And that's a really good question. But I think a question that's easy to ignore because it's a lot more personal than that is what if we ask ourselves this question in this time? What is God trying to do in me during this season? What is God trying to do in my life right now in the midst of all that's going on? See, I grew up playing a lot of sports. And I always remember at the end of each season uh, for team sports, the the coach would kind of wrap the team up at the end of the year, would kind of give some motivational speech and would say something like, well, you know, we're not going to be together for however many months it would be as a team. And it could be easy for you not to practice to kind of get lazy because you're not around the coach, you're not around the team. But he gives them this, this motivational speech that in their absence of being together, he wants them to grow stronger and to come back. Next year, more prepared, more ready to go. Friends, what if God is using this season where we can't physically meet together to grow us stronger? Stronger in our love for Jesus, stronger in our love for each other. What if in the midst of this season with a lot of suffering and pain, what if in the midst of it, we all grew in our endurance and in our character and in our hope for Jesus? Well, what does God want to do, not just in the world, what does God want to do in, in me? What does God want to do in you right now in the midst of this season? Perhaps God wants to grow your hope in him, to take away some of the things of this world and to increase your focus and your hope on him. Well, Paul continues after talking about how this character produces hope. And he says this at the start of verse five, and hope, does not put us to shame. And hope does not put us to shame. The third way to have enduring hope is to see the assurance that hope brings. To see the assurance in our lives that hope brings. He says that hope doesn't put us to shame. Some translations say hope does not disappoint. It will not let you down the Psalms are filled with this idea of those who trust in God will never be put to shame. They will never be disappointed. And this is quite an audacious claim that Paul makes that when you place your hope in God, you will never be disappointed. You will not be put to shame. So I think the right question to ask to such a strong statement as that is, well, how do we really know that? How can we be guaranteed that if we place all our hope in Jesus, it won't put us to shame? Well, Paul, just as he continues through this passage, gives us two ways that we can be guaranteed of this. The first is God's love for us in Christ. So how can we know that this hope won't put us to shame? Well, it's because of God's love for us in Jesus. He continues in verse five, hope does not put us to shame. Why? Why? See, the greatest display, the greatest act of love has already been done for us. And that's Jesus taking our place and dying on the cross for us. And so how do we have a guarantee of this hope in Jesus not disappointing? It's because the love of God has been displayed for you and for me. And we in our right minds could never question if it's true that God loves us because we see this sure love that was displayed for us on the cross. And so God's love for us in Christ reminds us that this hope that we have won't disappoint because it's the greatest display of love ever seen. But not only is the love for Christ, love of us for Christ displayed as a guarantee, it's actually God's work for us in Christ as well. The second way we know is God's work, what he has done for us in Jesus. He continues and says in verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more. Shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. See the work for us in Christ is this, is that all that was needed for your justification and reconciliation all that was needed to pay the penalty for your sin and to restore you to a right relationship with God has been done. The work has been done by Jesus. Sin's payment is final and we don't have to pay for it anymore. And because of the finality of Christ's work on the cross for us, we can be sure of our reconciliation to a right relationship with God. And so because of God's love for us and God's work for us on the cross in Jesus, we can be confident. We can be assured of the hope that we have in Jesus. See, so much in our world right now is just kind of wait and see, right? Wait and see. When will we gather back together in this building for a Sunday night service? We just got to wait and see. When we'll be able to go eat at a restaurant again? We got to wait and see. When will I be able to get my hair cut again? I don't know. We just got to wait and see. We don't know the answers. But with Jesus, we don't have to wait and see. With Jesus, it's see what he's done for us and believe. And when we see and believe, we can be assured that our hope in him will not disappoint us. This week, most likely, if not this week, then soon after, for I think each and every one of us, there will be, Difficult times. For some of you, it literally might happen within a half hour of watching this message, right? Your kids will come in, they'll throw up, something will happen, you'll get a bad phone call, something will happen, most likely, even this week, that will disappoint, that will frustrate, that will discourage you. I just want to challenge us to frame the, our, where we're living, to frame our perspective that. When you're getting discouraged, when life seems to be coming at you this week, to ask yourselves two questions. First question is this, is will this diminish God's glory? Will what I'm going through right now, will this in any way diminish God's glory? And here's a a trick. The answer to this question is always no, right? So nothing that you will face this week, no matter how light or no matter how severe will diminish God's glory. But then the second question to ask yourself this week is, what am I placing my hope in? What am I placing my hope in right now? Because so often when we lose hope, it's because we've placed our hope in the wrong thing. And so when you feel discouraged and exhausted, when you feel these emotions rise up within you, I would challenge you this week, just change your perspective just by in those moments, reminding yourselves of those two questions. And I think the more that we do that, the more it will cause us to take our hope off of the world, to take our hope off of ourselves and to place our hope on Jesus. In the midst of everything going on in this world, if we hope in anything else, it will let us down. But the only way to endure, to have hope that lasts in the midst of everything is when we place our hope in God. God, we thank you that you have come and you have displayed your love for us and Jesus on the cross and you have done all that needs to be done for our salvation. And so we rejoice that we can place our hope in you and it is a sure hope and it is confident and it will not disappoint. God, I pray for us this week as we endure trials and difficulties and pain of any kind that we would be quick to gain perspective, to realize that none of these things diminish your glory and to ask ourselves every time, what are we putting our hopes in? That we would align ourselves with you and we would truly be people who place our hope not in our own glory, but would be those who rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.